0: Hey there, we're the West Slot Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. And I'm John Lacombe. Uh, Scuzz is off this week. Um, work took him out west uh, to Vegas. I don't think he's going to be putting any money on Northwestern going uh, the rest of the way, but stranger things have happened. Um but uh yes Scuzz said he's Scud said he's coming back when we can outpass Flexbone teams. That's that's what he said. <laughs> well, let's not hold our breath on that. Um we lost to Iowa 20 to nothing. I mean, I there really isn't a whole lot to talk about about the game. It's like, you know, we we know what we we know what we are. No new developments, you know, the, the team the offense was miserable the defense played as well as could be expected um iowa scored two touchdowns we held them to two field goals i mean if our offense was doing anything we should have been able to to hang with them they like defensively we were fine offensively we were garbage there you go there there's your iowa recap um, yeah i i've got
1: i mean i was watching this one from afar i've got you know a couple thoughts and stuff that we're going to get into in a little bit but Um, I guess just, you know, hours before we were going to put this pod on, we had relatively substantial news that broke and especially given the tenor of our, you know, past who knows how many pods it was obviously it's information that immediately jumps right to the front of the docket.
0: Yeah. Uh, Teddy Greenstein, Chicago Tribune, um, reported actually got, got to talk to Hunter Johnson. It's the first time we've heard from Hunter. Uh, since his injury against Wisconsin, um, you know, obviously he hasn't been playing. We've all been wondering why, uh, you know, weren't sure what was going on. Fitz has been extremely cagey about what was going on. And, you know, I, I know we've been chalking that up to Fitz being cagey and, and all that. But, uh, as, as the news broke today on, on what was going on with Hunter and his family, now I think we, look back at that in a completely different light. So um, Hunter had some family issues. His mother uh, was suffering from uh, breast cancer, was going through chemo, uh, mastectomy. You know, it's just stuff that's really, really tough to deal with. And, you know, Hunter went to Fitz and they talked about it. And Fitz said, we're taking football off the table. Like you worry about your family. You worry about your mom. And, you know, don't worry about the team. You know, he, Hunter obviously said, he, you know, he wants to come out and play. But, you know, there's when when your mom is going through that kind of treatment and cancer and all that, there's no way you can focus on, on football. And, you know, to Fitz's credit, you know, he he's given Hunter and he's also uh, protecting the family from from the outside. You know, so that's why Fitz is being all cagey on what's going on. So, you know, you look at that and you kind of see what Fitz is doing to protect Hunter and his family from the outside world, all of a sudden it's like, wow, that makes a whole lot of sense. And, you know, now, now that Hunter is talking, you got to think, okay, his mom, you know, is done with chemo. There's a few more things to, a few more procedures to go through, but it seems like Hunter is now ready to focus back on football. So, um, just, yeah, you know, our 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 heart goes out to Hunter and his family, and you know it's an awful thing to go through, but hopefully, you know we're on we're on the back end of that. So right, and you said it. We've
1: given Fitz criticism for so many things this season, and rightly so. And we've also given him criticism historically for the kind of ridiculous extent to which Northwestern is cagey about releasing information. In this situation, Fitz did everything exactly right. And just like you said, kudos to him. Um, he did everything he could to protect his guy. And, um, you know, it's first of all, I mean, put all the football stuff aside. I mean, uh, you know, just personally, um, kind of in a weird kind of way within my own family, I. I've been going through a situation that in some ways is kind of similar to the, some of the stuff that Hunter's going through. I mean, I would not presume to know what's going on in his own situation at all whatsoever. I would just say that, um, there are some parallels in, in both situations. Um, you know, thankfully for Hunter's family, thankfully for my family, things are in a good place right now. But as I would say, and as anyone who has been through this kind of thing, um, of course says, of course it just, the, it, it, just hijacks your life and your thought process and rightfully so. And this is a kid who's, of course, his mind is not anywhere near football, nor should it be near football. And I think, you know, there's a trap that sometimes people have fallen into in the past, especially when it comes to, you know, the NFL and et cetera, where people will play through things like that. And, and the, you know, the cliches of, Oh, well, you know, so-and-so would have wanted me to play blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, what about what's best for you? Like your mind is not on these things at all. These things are trivial compared to family and compared to your mother, etc. And Fitz absolutely did the right thing. He did the right thing behind closed doors and he did the right thing. Completely stonewalling information. So, yeah, while we take issue with things that he's done in the past along these lines, we take no issue with this. It's kudos. He did absolutely the right thing. Um, as an aside to all of that, it does answer some of the questions of what has been going on within the quarterback situation for, for you know, the last month. Because we've all been speculating like crazy. Um, and the speculation, you know, we've been speculating as much as anyone, just trying to make sense of it all. And, you know, a situation where being like, look, we we're seeing him down on the sideline. We know he was hurt at one point, but it is pretty clear he's not no longer. And, you know, we're speculating about injury, you know, Um, situations, you know, is there potential... We we,
0: we were wondering, you know, is there a possibility of, like, a medical redshirt situation kind of thing? Or do they try to to pull that? And,
1: And frankly, you know, like, I think we should circle back to some of that talk in a little bit when we get to the preview for the Indiana game. But the... But, I mean, certainly, right. Like, I mean, speculation about anything and everything's on the table. And now, it's pretty clear, look, he was hurt aiden stepped into the role but then in the course of this rehab Fitz either becomes aware or becomes more aware of what is going on in this poor kid's life relative to his family and says look that this what's going on within our program right now takes secondary to all of this and yeah i mean i think the good news to the extent that we know is that um hunter johnson's mother is doing better um And if he feels like, like he's ready to turn the page and not turn the page, but he's ready to focus
0: in a way and take the next step at least.
1: Right. Take the next step and, and, you know, come back onto the field and and try to contribute. Great. Good for him. And if he's not, you know what? Fine. I mean, that the, now we know and we know exactly what your, you know, where your priorities should be right now. So again, it's like you said, your heart goes out to him. We're, you know, we feel fortunate to have information now that we didn't have before. But at the same time, anyone who's gone through anything remotely like this knows that it's all relative. I mean, in this kid's life, football should be on the back burner right now. And we all understand that. Um, and again, it's like all the best to Hunter, like you said. All the best to his family. Um, and, you know, this, this is one situation where so many things have gone wrong. Fitz did this thing right.
0: And what's interesting, you know, with the Cats playing at Indiana this weekend. Um, you Hunter being from Indiana, obviously he's going to have a lot of friends and family there. Uh I don't believe his mother is going to be going, but that that again, not that doesn't matter. You know, that that's completely irrelevant to to the situation, but you know, Hunter kind of going home if you will. You got to think like if he's ready to go, you got to think that you know he's gonna he's gonna see some playing time. So, let's see. Like, I think the
1: in in pivoting to that game and pivoting out of the Iowa game. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sorry, I, I did kind no, of blow through no, that. I mean, do you have no, anything no, no? To add well, on that, on that? no. So, I mean, here's what I have to add, and I think it's knowing this new information, right? I think as we attempt to surmise what's going to happen with Hunter and with anything heading to indiana i think it's it's kind of important to write to like you said evaluate in to the minimal extent that we are going to the iowa game and then kind of look at where we are right now um and (laughs) given that um let me start by saying a couple things so one i did not watch the iowa game um and a little background on that i every year our family uh my wife, and our daughter, we take a trip to Galena, Illinois. And for a lot of you, that's a name that may jump right to the forefront of your mind. And for others, it may mean nothing. It's a town out in western Illinois, a picture book, picture book town. It's glorious. They do holidays so well. It's a big bed and breakfast community, etc. cetera. We tend to go there once a year in the fall around their big Halloween parade. But we've been doing this for years. And that same period of time also falls right in the middle of football season. And it always leads to me attempting to unplug and then kind of like not being able to unplug. Um, sometimes in infamous fashion. I mean the, our game at Ohio state a couple years ago where we played Ohio state, um, really, really cool, real tough right up until the end. I watched that in a crowded bar in the DeSoto house hotel, um, filled with people on like a little television, most infamously. Um, I had to rush out of a TV that was clu- that was on the Michigan State game that ended up going into multiple overtimes. And I had that entire game, that entire overtime section of that game, play out on my phone on ESPN GameCast because I could not get a feed to the game. And like all of you who watched that, you can imagine what that was like playing out, you know, in low tech on a phone. It was just absolutely brutal. In addition to those games, I have multiple games, for whatever reason, we've played against Iowa while I've been in Galena. And Galena might as well be Iowa City East. It is just like a... I mean, it is a Iowa fan-heavy community. So these are all things that I've had to deal with, right? This is all to say there was no such stress on this game. I, during this game... I was at a pumpkin patch picking pumpkins with my wife and daughter. I checked my phone maybe three or four times and early on it was 10 nothing. And just like all of you, I knew it was over the minute it was 10 nothing because like we talked about last week, the situations where we were going to win this game was a seven nothing game or a seven three game because I knew we weren't going to get points. And Here's where I want to say something else before we get into all of this. I want to say we stayed at a bed and breakfast this week. Um, and this is where we were staying my entire stay at Galena. Stayed three, three nights at this wonderful bed and breakfast in Galena. And in their little like display room in the bed and breakfast, they had a really neat coffee table book that had uh, every New York Times front cover of the 20th century, every significant front cover of the 20th century. So it's really interesting to flip through. And as I was randomly flipping through this, I learned that in 1950, Puerto Rican nationalists attempted to assassinate President Truman and came really close to doing so. And I, and I also learned that in 1954, Puerto Rican nationalists opened fire in the U.S. House of Congress and shot five congressmen. Um, so I bet that a lot of you didn't know either of these things. I sure didn't. So later, when someone asks you, did the Westlot Pirates talk about the same thing for like the seventh week in a row? You can be like, no, actually, I learned some important tidbits <laughs> about Puerto Rican nationalism in the 50s. <laughs> And it's danger to the U.S. Presidency and the U.S. Congress. So, John, 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 John,
0: John, stick to sports. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. So
1: so now that we've got that all, now that we got that out of the way, uh, let's talk about the god-awful Northwestern offense uh, for the seventh week or whatever it is in a row.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, like I said, there's really not a whole lot to say. I, I will say that Isaiah Bowser got on the field, actually looked somewhat decent. You know, his his line wasn't good. I mean, 14 carries, 36 yards, 2.6 per carry. Not great, but, you know, he was out there. He was, you know, he was getting some run, and he looked healthier. Um Also, RCB looked like, uh, you know, he was out there, four catches, 41 yards. And, you know, he seemed to be the guy that uh, Aiden was keying on as his go-to receiver, which, you know, since Skoronic's been out, there really hasn't been one guy to step up and, Really, kind of take over. Um, right on, on, on the on the flip side, JJ Jefferson gets hurt. That sucks. Um, you know, we definitely had some other injuries. Um, you know, Ernest Brown done for the season. We find out. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it's 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 rough. And I mean, to your point, I mean, yeah, like
1: you talk about, you know, relatively speaking, Bowser, relatively speaking, RCB, but. Again, it's like the reality of the situation is this is arguably the worst offense in the country right now. Well, that, and, it actually
0: is ranked 130th in scoring. Right. right. I mean, and, we're, we're dead last in
1: scoring. And not, you know, it's like this is just piling on. But not only are we dead last, second worst in the country is Akron, who has won two games in That's the one fourth One more than us. In the full season and a half since they beat us, it uh-huh. just—it couldn't get—it it just can't get any worse. There's so many ways that people have come at this. Um, one that jumped out to me is we're one of the five worst passing teams in the country. The other four worst are Army, Navy, Air Force, and Georgia Southern. That's right, four teams that run the flexbone, and one team that runs a shotgun spread offense. Um, it it just doesn't get any worse than this, and like I said, you know, we don't the, the Mick McCall stuff, et cetera. I mean, what can I say that we haven't already said? One yeah, we
0: we we've, we've gone through that, and we you know we're beating a dead right. horse. And it's like right, we're not like we're not going to know anything. We don't like Fitz isn't going to fire him in the middle of the season, so right. you know, it, it's really not worth talking about anymore. I and mean, we've said. Pretty much all there is to say, unless something changes between now and the end of the season, which right. you know, we've seen it's no like, indication like it's going to. Right. We, we're all on the same page. We all get it. We all know the
1: situation. We expect a change to be made after the season. It's not going to be made mid season. We got it. Let's just get to the end of the season. Um, one thing that I would say, though, um, that is important as we try to pivot to the second half of the year and face some of the hard realities here are you want to look at Stanford and you want to look at Nebraska. Um, These are two four and four teams that as the season has been bored out are, shall we say, defensively challenged. And the reality is we knew coming into the season, Nebraska was well, first of all, have you been listening to the Westlot Pirates? Did we tell you Nebraska was a crap football team? Okay, there you go. Um, But we also talked that Stanford was going to have a mediocre defense this season, and they do. And what I'm trying to say here is, as much as we'd love to shade on the, well, now we get to the less amazing defenses section of our schedule, Stanford and Nebraska have shown that if it ain't UNLV – we have yet to prove that we can move the ball effectively against any kind of defense. And it's it's like, yes, are we getting to a place where the defenses are worse? Absolutely we are. But the easier argument is that most of the teams remaining on our schedule are better football teams than Northwestern is right now. And it would be pretty foolhardy to, to make another argument.
0: Yeah, I mean, Indiana... They're what an eleven and a half point favorite, and you know, in and they've turn, earned it. Yeah, no, they have, and you know, they're bowl eligible for the first time in a long time. Congratulations, I mean, good for them. You know, you, you look through their schedule, it doesn't really look like it's a, you know, it's not a murderer's row. I mean, they got pasted by Ohio State, but you know, yeah, sure. Um, you know, the, the one the one interesting one is that uh, they lost to Michigan State forty-one to thirty. Uh, So they were able to put up 30 points on Michigan State. You know, obviously something that we couldn't do, but... um...
1: Right, and I mean, you could fold Nebraska into that too, right? I mean, this is a team that, did they barely beat Nebraska? Yes, we barely lost to Nebraska. But Indiana also scored 38 points against Nebraska on the road. Um, They scored a touchdown against Ohio State, which we did not do. I mean, other than that, the profile of those two games is basically the same. And right, like you said, the Michigan State game they were able to put up points in a way that we were not and i think it's you know you look at the rest of our schedule and it stinks to say but i mean on paper indiana's better than us on paper illinois is luckier than us by a mile and on paper minnesota is both better and luckier than us um it's it's a tough reality but i mean it's it's if you're vegas you're calling either two or three wins on the season for Northwestern right now. Either two wins with no wins in conference or three wins with a win over Purdue. I mean, that is the brutal reality that we're staring in the face right now. Um, what we do have still, after all this, is this defense. I give Fitz credit for one other thing. And I know a lot of people have been like, shut up about the turnovers talk Our offense is losing us games every week. Um, But think of it this way, right? He's got to do something to keep this defense motivated. These guys keep going out and playing great football week after week and taking a loss. Like, you got to try to keep them hungry somehow. If you keep pushing the turnovers thing, you get these guys thinking, well, look, that's the one thing we can do well that we're not doing right now. Let's try to get more turnovers and affect the game in that way. I mean, it's like, aside from that, you can't ask too much more of the defense. But at the same time, I mean, don't have any illusions that the rest of our schedule, starting with Indiana, is just going to roll over and let us you know, score the first touchdown that we've scored you know, since midway through. What the the Nebraska game? So, um, so,
0: so, but John, uh, would you be surprised? Like, w- w- what would be your level of surprise if Hunter comes back in? Um, you know, his his mind clear. He's he's focusing on football. The offense turns on, and then we win. We win out and go to a bowl game at six and six. So, what, what, what's your level of surprise on that?
1: It's so. Would I be shocked? No. I'm more erring on the side of we don't want to all feel like we have our heads in the sand with respect to like Indiana has played good football this season, Minnesota's played good football this season, and even Illinois. I mean, what can you take away from them? Like they've got two amazing wins back to back here. Um and but with that said, there are a couple things. And yeah, let's let's start with the Hunter thing, because like I said, you know, we mentioned it earlier and it's it's a really interesting situation. If you look at the Teddy Greenstein article, that article certainly makes it seem like there is a chance that Hunter will start and, if not start, really play in this game for a couple factors. Like you said, he's going home to Indiana. Um, he's feeling like he's in a place where he can talk about this and that his mom's health is is a- at least stable to the extent that we know, and, and that's allowed him to get into a headspace where he feels like he can play. And if so, fantastic. It certainly is interesting from the other perspective. Um, and you know, and again, this is I'm not saying I have a clue one way or another. I don't. I'm just, you know, speculating and, about the, the And it'd be about, ridic-
0: it, it would be ridiculous to think like anyone has a clue. And right. it'd be ridiculous to try and guess cuz right. we we just don't know.
1: Right. Right. And and I don't even know, you know, the exact machinations of how this all works. But in my mind, here is a case that I would present against him playing. And I don't mean like he shouldn't play. I'm just saying here's a case that that one could make, right? I would imagine he would have a really strong case for a medical red shirt right now. Um, and based on the fact that, one, he barely played as a freshman. Um, then he transferred, sat out, used his normal red shirt. This year, he did play in multiple games, but... He also was at that normal four game measure for a normal red shirt that exists now. now again. He already used his red shirt. I don't really know how that applies to to um, medical red shirts, but you factor in one, he's hurt and two, he's dealing with a real personal situation that while it's not an injury is clearly an extenuating circumstance. And then you factor in that it's Northwestern. I'm sure he's doing everything he needs to do in the classroom. I'm sure he's conducting himself in the very rest the very best manner. You could make a case, right, that he would really strongly be considered for an injury red shirt if he were not to play the
0: rest of the season. And that and, would and, in potential And and yet you you're talking about the NCAA here. Mm-hmm. Oh, you mean the NCAA that
1: just threw open the doors to players profiting off their own likeness? Yeah, the, the, um, until the, the you you Until you read the statement really carefully, and it's more like, uh, we're just trying to buy time so we can figure out what to do here. Anyway, um, I digress. But, no, you're absolutely right. And again, I'm not arguing for this. I'm just presenting a case. Like, if you want the case for why he doesn't play the rest of the year, that would be the case, and it's a good case, and a case he absolutely would be deserving of doing. Here's the alternate case, right? He apps, and I'm, um, you know, I, if you've been listening to the pod, you know, I believe this more than anybody. I mean, I'm the one who unwittingly coined this Ferrari thing that everyone seemed to run with, but. Is our offense better with Hunter Johnson as our starting quarterback? Yes, it most certainly is. It's just that simple. I'm not throwing Aiden under the bus. Um, Aiden has been, you know, handicapped by this horrible offensive scheme the same way Hunter was. And it is just the biggest bus to back over a quarterback. Are part of these struggles Aiden's fault? Yeah. Are, are most of them his fault? Hell no. The same way it's not the wide receiver's fault or the offensive line fault. We are handicapped by this horrific scheme and this horrific play calling. Okay. And, and, and well, to be fair, the O line has been playing really well. And I want like, to get to, you I, and I, you're right. No, you're totally right. I want to get there in one second because that's very important. Um, the, the, but I mean, it's, it's better off with Hunter. So if Hunter comes back in, I do believe we get a boost there. And you're absolutely right. Because, and it's funny, Sam, I think about when we had the Westlaw Pir- I mean, the Winning Cures Everything boys on last week, and the one thing that jumped out to them, I remember Christianini talking about it, was the holes he was seeing our line open against the Ohio State defense. And him thinking, boy, a couple of, you know, a, a few quicker steps
0: through the hole there,
1: and there are some really big gains and p- some potentially touchdown runs you're and, right.
0: And you know, also going to that Ohio State game, you know who you know whose name we really didn't hear a whole lot that game? Chase Two. Young.
1: Right. True. Exactly. And I mean like Heisman candidate Chase Young. Right. That's a great point. He had a sackler earlier in that game and they did a good job working around that. You're absolutely right. Look, our play calling and our offensive scheme has been a train wreck all season. But The one thing we keep coming back to, and it is true, and it's the counter-argument to this whole thing of like, real talk, our offense is the worst in the country. Real talk, our passing game is horrific. We have played four phenomenal run defenses. We just have. And now we play a bunch that are a lot worse. And if you do get a healthy Hunter back, you are going to see a difference in terms of the ability to run the ball. Now, again... The counter-argument you could, of course, make is the Nebraska game. Yes, I completely accept that. Um, there is no miracle cure to this offense as it exists under Mick McCall. But we are going to run the ball better the second half of the season. That absolutely will be the case. So you factor that in and you factor in some luck in the passing game, etc. Um, and you hope for something. Um, and that that's it. So if you're asking me, like, would I be surprised, I'd be a little bit surprised just because in the years that our offense has been as bad as it's been, it was never this bad. Sure. Um, but um, it absolutely is true. And our defense is going to keep playing well. Indiana's offense is good. And, you know, they're, you know, we've been watching this Michael Penix, Peyton Ramsey, you know, passing game that they seem to flip flop between these guys. But... These guys have both had big games throwing the ball. Um, they use their tight end well. They've got a couple wide receivers they use well. Um, they're good at throwing the ball when they're not able to run it. Um, they're they're good at spreading the ball out. And our defense has had some issues in pass coverage. Um, and that's going to be a problem. Like, Indiana's going to score points. I don't believe that they're... I mean, if you look at the you know, they scored 31 points against Michigan State. I mean, they ought to have a reasonable expectation based on everything they've done this season of scoring 30 points against Northwestern. I mean, that's that's the tough thing. Could we get them under that? Sure. We probably need to get them under that to get a win here. Um, and that's that's the hard reality. I mean, this is a good team. This is a team that right now is looking at their schedule and thinking, there's a really good chance they get to eight wins. Um, they've still got Purdue on their schedule. So, I mean, if they beat us, this is potentially an eight-win team, which makes it one of the best Indiana teams of recent memory. So, it's tough. There, There's no silver lining. But, if Hunter's back, and he's healthy, and he's ready to go, that means our offense is probably as dynamic as it's been in at least a month and we are going to have we right. we freely admit is not saying a lot right it, right exactly it's like but if the running game is better and you know we're seeing some more of these wrinkles like the use of kyrick mcgowan which fine okay great like do i love we're doing that yeah it's fantastic we had to have like 50 things like that in our offense and we don't but if you accept that there have been improvements albeit so minor in a scheme perspective, the sudden ability to run the ball more effectively is going to allow us to do some more things. Um, So that's it. That's the path. I mean, if, if you can get that and you can move the ball and the defense steps up and, and you know, the turnovers that these guys are chasing finally show up a little bit. We get a couple of breaks. That's, that's going to be the thing. Um, And, you know, you definitely could make the argument that, We've got Purdue on deck and Purdue is, you know, Northwestern and Purdue right now are firmly battling for second worst team in the Big Ten. So if we can pull what really would be a big upset against Indiana, we'd be feeling really good heading into Purdue and suddenly we'd have a real chance to build some positive momentum. So um that's the situation. But it's, you know, I think... It's important to understand Indiana's going to score points. They're very likely gonna to get to thirty points, and we're gonna to have to find a way to move the ball and match them to stay in it.
0: Or turn them over a lot, something that we haven't seen, you know, and I know Fitz has been really been harping on that, you know, trying to try to get, you know, get the defense to you know, get the ball back. Um, that was that was something that, you know, might have made a difference against Iowa. I don't know um you know it's, we need to see more turnovers we need to you know, possess the ball a little bit longer you know e- even even longer drives right i mean let let the defense catch their breath cuz that that's something we've been, we've seen so much you know how many three and outs how many quick drives and then the defense is right back on the field and you know come the fourth quarter they're gassed right you know that, we we've seen that's what's been the case the past couple of weeks so there's, there's a lot to be excited for this weekend, uh, especially if Hunter is able to come back and, and, you know, play the way we think he can. Uh, that would be, that would be tremendous. And like, there is still a chance of, of six and six. I mean, it, it's very unlikely, but there is a chance. And, you know, the, the quick lane bowl or, you know, the Fort Worth bowl, whatever bottom big, tw- big 10 tier bowl we, could theoretically go to and you know is there a chance we could get to five and seven and go in with the api numbers i mean we would be the first ones uh eligible for that and you got to think like given the ch- and i'm putting the cart before the horse but right yeah you know, let's let, let, let's, I, let's here, worry about saturday right now
1: but he, and here's the important thing um like let's say for the first time this season, the Cats put together a good performance, right? Let's say we get all of it. Let's say we get this win, like we pull out this upset uh, you know, at night under the lights um, in Bloomington. The beehive at, that is Memorial Stadium. Yeah, right, exactly. Although, you know, it's a big game for them. I would imagine to the extent they come out, they'll be coming out for this one. Um, Will they? The, it's Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, Purdue and UMass is as good of a chance as you can ha- possibly have this late in the season for two back-to-back wins. So if you're looking for a narrative, Hunter comes back, you know, um, with Northwestern Nation firmly behind him, knowing what he's had to go through, you know, um, just the fans really backing him, you know, everyone just rooting for him. He's playing in his home state. He's able to get back on track and God love him. And the kid absolutely deserves it, especially now that what we know, right? Then suddenly a team that just beat Indiana, we're very likely favored in our next two games. Um, And you win those two games, suddenly you're facing a Minnesota team that I hate to, you know, to to borrow Sam's language, put the cart before the horse. But uh, there's a good chance Minnesota ain't going to be 13th anymore two weeks from now. Let's just say
0: that. Yeah. we, We keep saying everyone pump the brakes on Minnesota. Yeah, so the schedule's exactly. about to get a lot harder.
1: Right. They're about to play the four teams at the start of the season that were most likely to beat them. So the so again, there's your roadmap. And then an Illinois team that, like I said, I mean, they've gave, they are what can you say? They're they handled Purdue. Again, Purdue is a mess right now. Purdue is collapsing just like we are. Um, but this Indiana game is a big pivot point. And Even if it doesn't work out the way that we want to, if Hunter is the guy and he is going to come back, seeing some positive steps that lead him into two games against two teams that are in brutal shape right now in Purdue and UMass and having a way to kind of build some positive momentum. I mean, at this point, that's as positive a thing as we can ask for, right? That he's able to take some steps. Um, leading him into a off season where real meaningful changes are made in our coaching staff. And we feel like we've got a place to head heading into the off season. So again, um, this Indiana game, if we were to pull out this win, then we can start talking and then we can start talking about something. Um, But what we should really be looking for is, you know, if Hunter's going to come back, do we see those positive changes? Do we see more positive ground built up in the run game? And do we reach a, you know, a point where win or not, we feel like we're pivoting well into the second half of the season. And, and again, if we can,
0: um, pull off a win here, we just might be able to pivot into something special. So looking around the rest of the big 10 for this upcoming weekend, not, not a ton of games. There's definitely a, a several off weeks. Um, you've got Michigan at Maryland, uh, Michigan coming off their big win in the monsoon against Notre Dame. Um, Still don't believe in Michigan very much, but... Let's
1: see Michigan do it two weeks in a row, okay? Like, the Michigan team we thought was going to show up this season has shown up for one game. Um, And I hasten to add, also, that Army team that Michigan... uh, Had to go to overtime with? Had to go to overtime with is not good. Like, that team has lost just about every game since that game. Um, So it's... Yeah, let's see. Okay, Michigan, congratulations. That's a big win over a top 10 team in Notre
0: Dame. Let's see you do it two weeks in a row. Yeah, they're not the number 14 team in the country. Now, Maryland has been kind of hot garbage this season. So it's not like, except for the first two weeks where they were the best thing ever. Uh, So very much, you know, two complete opposite dynamics for Maryland. Uh, Michigan a twenty one point favorite uh yeah I mean that's that's probably about right like yeah. I mean I this again I still feel
1: like Michigan just like all the rest of us have had to deal with still has that Ohio state hurricane heading their way and I have yet to see that they're that they're a team that can deal with that
0: uh you got Nebraska at purdue um you who know, boy yeah uh, i I just can I just say i i
1: I read some mid-season superlatives article, maybe it was on ESPN this week. Uh most disappointing team in the country, Nebraska. Not on this podcast. <laughs> uh like I like we feel like we're just the lone people out in the wilderness who've just been like I like this is so the exact team we thought we were going to see. Like what more can I say? Now will they probably beat Purdue? Yeah, but that says more about Purdue than it does about Nebraska. I mean, like, you can look at Nebraska's schedule. Like, I don't see this team bowling. And they're, you know, and but we didn't really see them doing much at the start of the season either. So, like, whatever. I mean, again, um, if if they do
0: put a hurting on Purdue, though, that's good for us at this point because it makes us feel better about that Purdue game. And yeah, Nebraska, with games left, you know, Purdue this week, and they got games uh, against Wisconsin, Iowa, and Maryland. So yeah, have have fun. <laughs> um, you've got Rutgers at Illinois.
1: Boy, I mean, don't you kind of feel now like Illinois is going to win this one relatively convincingly? Um, I mean,
0: Rutgers is just the embodiment of hot garbage,
1: right? And I, and suddenly that's three wins in a row. Now Illinois then has to go at Michigan State at Iowa. I mean, I'd like. The Wisconsin game, sorry, like that game was just this freak factory and they had lost four in a row coming into that game. So they beat Purdue. Again, Purdue is looking right now like the second worst team in the Big Ten, if it's not us, but Illinois beat them. And and right now, Illinois is probably looking and being like, they got a really good shot at
0: six and six, which would be a miracle for them. But they're going to get win number five against Rutgers. Uh, no Ohio State, no Minnesota, no Michigan State, no Penn State. Who else is off this week? Iowa's off this week, and Wisconsin's off this week. So a lot, a lot of the top players um, are off this week. And you know, you, you kind of look around the country as well. There's, there's not a ton of marquee games. I mean, everyone's sort of holding their breath and waiting for next week uh, when you've got two battles of un- unbeaten's you know, LSU Bama and Penn State, Minnesota. And what what's really interesting is is hearing like everyone you know clamoring for Game Day to go to Minnesota, saying, oh you know, Game Day's been to LSU Bama so much they've never gone to Minnesota. It's two undefeated teams, blah 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 blah. I just um at the begin you know the beginning of the season when we were all reading
1: piece after piece after piece on Sam Ellinger I think, you know, we all, you know, everyone was very much like, yeah, it's very expected that we're going to have an undefeated Texas team this far into the season. Wouldn't you know it? We have two, Baylor and SMU. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Texas. You weren't invited to the party. But still, I mean, I. Uh, it's funny, though, that, like, we're like, you know, you want to root for, like, the plucky underdogs. And it's like, one is one of the most notoriously corrupt football programs uh of of you know modern football history and the other is baylor so <laughs> it's like great wonderful but i mean whatever smu hasn't won in a long time so good good on you um and of course we've got you know our winning cures everything boys are our, our memphis boys through and through i'm
0: sure they're going to be rooting on the tigers but still and A- and with game day going to memphis i i think for the first time you know they're they're heading out to beale street which is really cool and i i can't wait to see kind of what that scene looks like um you know with, with game day there that, that's gonna be really neat
1: yeah no i mean it's it's gonna be really cool and it's good for the aac and we've talked about this that you know the aac for whatever reason has had between Cincinnati and Tulane and these guys like a couple plucky teams this year that that are fun and again with Boise taking a loss like these are teams that have a chance at a power five game I mean SMU if they pull off that win over Memphis like they're really kind of in the driver's seat for a power five bowl game which is obviously seismic for that program. So that's really cool to see. And it, it is cool that, that Memphis is that game day is going there. And uh, yeah,
0: like you said, Beale street and that's just, it's just a cool vibe. Um, you know, otherwise, you know, probably the, the biggest game on the docket is the, uh, is the cocktail party, you know, Georgia, Florida, you know, two top 10 teams who I don't think have any business being top 10 teams. Uh, I, I'll, I'll listen to the arguments for Georgia, but Florida, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's one of those
1: things where it's like, it's, it, that's true. And I was like, Mr. Skeptic on Florida. That Florida LSU game was an awesome game. I'll say that. Um I believe that Florida's, you know, offense is overrated. I mean, their defense is still great. If you look at it a little bit inside out, though, like... I think those would be the second and third best teams in the big 10 right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, Penn state, like that's, that's who, that's who you'd be like picking the argument with, I guess, you know, but um, certainly. And you look at like the big 12 with Oklahoma going down. I mean, like what is there really in that conference? Do we really believe that Baylor is, you know, in the league of like these two teams? No. Um, The Pac 12, I mean, Oregon seems to be coming on, but they've got a
0: loss. So, you know, I mean, they got lost to an Auburn team that's been playing pretty well. As, as right. Well.
1: Exactly. And That's the thing. Like Georgia and Florida, like these are two awesome teams. It's just, there are several teams in their own conference that are clearly better than them. And that's, that's the main obstacle to us caring about this game. But you know, if Florida wins, they're, they're still, you know, potentially in the running to via the championship game to work their way back into the playoff. Like it's, it's easier for a one-loss team in the SEC to have a path in than for anybody
0: else. Yeah, I mean that—that's true. But you know, looking at the, uh, you know, no, I, I mean, mean Alabama I mean, and LSU it,
1: it, are the two best teams in that conference. Yeah, like,
0: and it's, it's going to be really hard for me to to look at you know any team from the East, you know, really giving either Bama or LSU a. Uh, a challenge in an SEC championship game. I mean, mean, it it feels like the playoff is set right now and anything
1: can happen, but man, more this year than, than in other years, it just feels like we have four teams that practically have their ticket punched. I mean, the door could absolutely, I mean, everyone's reaction to Oklahoma losing was, Oh, the door is really open for chaos. But I mean, boy, Clemson is the weakest of those four and their schedule is just cake. The rest of the way. So I mean, it's it sure, and the other three teams are just, at. Yeah, I mean, when you, can, when you can legitimately make the argument that the least phenomenal looking of those three teams thus far has been Alabama, like, you realize how good that group is playing right now. I mean, they're just on a, a, total, a whole other echelon from everybody else.
0: So, and I know we're going to talk about this more next week, but, you know, you got LSU Bama coming up. Whoever loses that game, yeah you know, probably not going to the SCC championship, but it's still right there as far as you know being in the playoff. Where, oh, abs- what, absolutely what beco- what becomes the argument right? You know, oh, for I mean wh- whoever's number five to I mean first of all the loser of that game. First of all, if LSU
1: loses to Alabama, there is no argument. LSU's schedule this season has been ridiculous. They have three top ten wins. They've looked unbelievable. If they lose to Alabama, the idea that their case is not as good as, you name know, I mean, sorry, like, <clears throat> not, I mean, again, could Penn State do something? Yeah. Is there a really good chance they're going to get pasted by Ohio State? Yes, there is. Uh, and the idea that like that team would somehow be in the running against LSU. I mean, give me a break. Oregon? No. Sorry. Uh, The teams you're playing out in the Pac-12 don't remotely compare. So, you know, so I I, actually,
0: you know, you bring up Penn State, and that's what's really interesting. So you've got Ohio State and Penn State, similar situation as LSU, Bama, but why, why are why is it that we think that you know the LSU Bama game is going to be you know just a rubber stamp for both those teams to go to the playoff, where Ohio State, Penn State is not. I mean, the, 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 the one, wow, you know, if,
1: if Penn State upset Ohio State and then won what would probably be an ugly game in the Big Ten championship game against whoever, you know, Whiskey or Soda, um, <laughs> the, the, you know, Penn State's going to the playoff and, I don't see how Ohio State's not going either but there there would be your interesting conundrum right you'd have Ohio State would still have an unbelievable resume but you'd have you know a one loss LSU and it kind of feels like LSU's resume would be better and then it's like would it you know and then everyone would be like what so is like LSU going to get in and Clemson going to get in over Ohio State and they probably would and you would have a team, Ohio State, that a lot of people would still feel was maybe the best team in the country not getting into the playoff. This exact kind of thing has happened before. But again, if that for that to happen, Penn State's got to beat Ohio State. Let's see someone get within 30 of Ohio State, and
0: then we can talk. I and, mean, it, like, what, What's interesting is, you know, Ohio State, the, the Ohio State-Penn State game is, you know, the second to last week of the season. You know, it, right. it's the week before Thanksgiving. So... And you know, so you always hear this adage: it, it matters when you lose, right? Right. So you know, if if Ohio State loses the week before the final the final game, then you know that is fresher in the mind. And you know, we're we're in the uh, we're in the committee at that point. You know, we're getting the weekly um, waste of time committee rankings. Um, right. I I would just like to, it would be
1: interesting once, if just once l s u can get the win over Alabama, and then it can be Alabama who's playing out the season, like looking for another path in. I just feel like the the opposite seems to happen so often, but <clears throat> um and of course, like that would be the thing too, like to have like a one loss Alabama lurking where everybody knows that it's just like colossus um yeah, but with all that said, the most likely scenario is Alabama beats l s u But LSU's phenomenal resume still stands above every other one-loss team. Alabama gets punched. Ohio State gets punched. Clemson gets punched. And then there are several one-loss teams. But really, there's only one one one-loss team. And it's LSU. And they get in. Like, that's the most likely
0: scenario. But, you know, anything is possible. And we'll have to see. It would definitely be interesting if LSU kind of waxes Bama. And then Penn State... You know the Penn State Alabama controversy. Well, uh, conversation at least. You know that that would be where it, where where it is, right? I mean, you'd be talking about one lost Bama and one lost Penn State. Yeah. Again, it's like Penn State is. Do I think they're the second best
1: team in the conference right now? Absolutely, I do. But I also feel like to the extent that Wisconsin was and Iowa was like, and Minnesota is they're due to get pulled back down to earth. Like it just feels like Ohio state is so much better. Penn state may very well be the second best team in the conference, but um, they also may have like a OSU licking coming to them. And then,
0: you know, it it becomes a little bit more murky who the second best team is. Yeah. So Penn state has Minnesota, Indiana, Ohio state and Rutgers to wrap out their schedule. Um, You know, obviously off this week. So, yeah, you know, that that game that game in Minneapolis next weekend is gonna be gonna be interesting. I mean We we'll see. We'll see if it's interesting. <laughs> Again, I I on, know. On I feel paper, like, we're, and like all of the talking heads are gonna be saying how interesting it is. Right. I mean it we'll we'll see. If Minnesota wins that game, then they are
1: for real. And then we need to start talking about Minnesota, if not just as as you know, a team with a very strong path into the championship game, but as a team, that's a legit dark horse, but that let's, I'm sorry. I'm
0: sorry. Minnesota is not beating Ohio state. Right. That's just not happening.
1: Right now. Everything tells me Ohio state's way better than Penn state. Who's well better than Minnesota. I mean, that's the way that it looks, but we'll see. Uh, Any other games you're looking
0: at this weekend?
1: (sighs) I don't think so. I mean, those, those are the big ones. I think, like you said, I mean, I think you've got teams like, like Baylor who, I mean, they're hosting West Virginia. I mean, every game is going to be a trap game for Baylor going this far forward. I mean, how long can they keep this up? Um, that's the big question, you know, before they, I mean, they don't have to play, it's a couple of weeks before they have to play Oklahoma and Texas. Um, and it just feels like, you know, can they really keep this up that far? They have so many close wins. Um, and this is another one that's just going to be so tough for him.
0: Anything else we need to discuss? I mean, we're still, we're getting closer and closer to the start of basketball season. I, I know we'll have uh, a couple of basketball, a uh, little bit more to talk about about basketball as we get closer. Um, you know, men's hoops. Looks maybe. Like like, maybe. <laughs> um, the ladies, you know, looking to come off their uh, great run to the WNIT championship last year. You know, see if they can uh, kind of get it a little bit a few couple more wins in the regular season to make it to the big dance but yeah that that's for a little bit later on just it, it's on the horizon we we see we see it there we're not going to completely ignore it um, yep it's kind of look and looking down the road a little
1: right and for you know for right now um i think the just the one thing to focus on right is is for you know after for for so many weeks, it's the focus has been on football and, and the garbage of football and everything. And I think now we have an opportunity, right, to to step back and say, look, for at least one guy on the Northwestern football team, football's been on the back burner for a couple of weeks. Um, he's been dealing with real serious things, the things that matter most. And at least for right now, um, you know, his family has has got some some positive news or some news that can at least alleviate some of their worst fears and um. And that that's something to feel good about, and that's something to feel good for Hunter and his family about. Um, and, you know, we can take those vibes and we can, we can try to throw him his way this weekend, um, and hope that, you know, that he's, he's got his mind right. And if he does play, that, you know, he's able to get the kind of success, or at least, a, 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 you know, a, a little bit of it, the kind of success that he deserves.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for this week. Uh, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pirates, and you can always email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics, and look for us in the west side of Ryan Field, flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening, we'll see you next time. <laughs>